Hi there, I'm Sue Elvis from the blog Stories of an Unschooling Family. Welcome to my podcast. This is episode 178. And today I am going to be talking about strewing. I have a couple of stories to share with you. One from my book, Curious Unschoolers, and that's called Time for Some Strewing. And the other story comes from my blog, Unschooling When Charlotte Mason Also Appeals to Our Hearts. I will probably make a comment or two along the way. But before I dive into those stories, I would just like to say a few words about last week's episode. Well, I'm not sure that it was a week ago. Maybe it was more like two weeks ago. I nearly didn't post episode 177. When I recorded that episode, I was fine. I enjoyed speaking and sharing some stories with you. And then the next day, I just fell apart. I just felt so miserable. I got up and felt so very overwhelmed with all the things that I feel I have to do. I guess the COVID-19 situation here in Australia didn't help. Yes, the pandemic is far from over here. It seems that we are having a second wave. Some people even say that we didn't even get a first wave, that what we had before was nothing. But of course... The isolation, the social distancing, all the things that we've been doing for months isn't nothing. And it has been rather disheartening to discover that we did all that, we stopped living our normal lives, and we are in a worse situation than we were at the very beginning. So saying that, we are in a good position compared to a lot of places in the world. But comparing our situation sometimes doesn't help. Though I think that we should be grateful for what we have. And maybe I've been dwelling too much on the negatives. I need to see all the good things in my life. Anyway, on that Friday morning, the the day that I intended to upload and post episode 177, I just didn't feel like doing it. It felt like that episode was recorded by a different person, maybe an imposter, a cheerful person who yeah, was trying to encourage other people along when that person couldn't even get up and continue life properly. Yes, I was in need of some encouragement of my own. I hid for a few days, tried not to get involved with anybody online, and then I went to our unschooling community And I posted about how I was feeling, which was probably the best thing that I could have done because a lot of people stopped by and reached out to me and encouraged me. I guess that's the point, isn't it? Sometimes we feel our role is to encourage others, but we forget that we also need looking after ourselves. And we forget also that people are willing to help us if only we tell them that we need that help. If we pretend that everything is okay, and that we're super people, you know, very capable, we can do anything, we're very strong, then how is anybody to know 
that we need some help. So I shared how I was feeling and I picked myself back up and I've had all these offers of help to get me back on track again. Also, I've been thinking about what I am doing. Do I really have to do so much? Sometimes we can feel that we have to do certain things. I have this idea that I'm a strong and capable person and I can do everything. But is that really true? And are all the things that I'm doing really necessary? Could I cut back somewhere? Give myself some more free time. Give myself time to play. Time to do something different. Time to rest because, yes, I don't think we take enough time for rest. We plow on thinking that, yes, we can do it all. Anyway, after the weekend, I decided that I felt a little bit better and I finished editing that episode, episode 177, got it up online and posted it. I didn't quite feel myself at that time, but I thought, hey, I've recorded it. Maybe it's not the best episode ever. Maybe an imposter actually recorded it. But maybe somewhere in that episode is something that will help someone. So that was episode 177. And here I am back recording episode 178, as promised. An episode about strewing. And I'm thinking maybe I will make it a cut price version. Not worry too much about the music or separating up all the segments or dividing the episode into podcast chapters. So what do you think? Do you think that's okay? Sometimes we just have to do our best, don't we? We don't have to be perfect. We just have to keep trying. Do the best we can under the circumstances. I'm sure that applies to unschooling, parenting, whatever, as well as making podcasts. So that's all I'm going to say about that. I'm going to dive into the topic of the day, strewing. The story that I have chosen from my book is called Time for Some Strewing. And I know that I have shared this story before. Yes, I found it in episode 114, which was called All About Strewing. And I published that episode in November 2017. And that's nearly three years ago. So I'm hoping that either you haven't listened to that episode or that it has faded a bit in your memory and that you don't mind listening to it again. Actually, I think last time I shared this story, it was the unedited version, the blog post version. Later, I made a few changes to that story before I put it in my book. So here's the story. Time for some strewing. Sometimes life provides my children with more than enough learning experiences without any help from me. A bushfire might be burning on our doorstep, giving everyone a unique learning opportunity. At other times, ordinary life provides one question after another for us to answer. 
we might discuss the problem of a broken washing machine, or we could be anticipating the installation of a hot water system. Maybe we're engrossed with a huge pile of books, or we could have dozens of projects we're working on. There's a lot going on. We are discussing and reading and learning a great deal without any trouble at all. Then one day we wake up and the day feels very flat. I don't know what to do. I finished that project. I don't know what to do next. I'm fed up with learning about this. I feel like doing something different. I read that book. What shall I read next? Time for some strewing. So what is strewing? It's enriching our children's environment with interesting resources or experiences. We scatter or strew things in front of our children, hoping they might capture their interest and inspire them to set out on some exciting and enjoyable learning adventures. So what can we strew? We can strew anything. Websites, books, ebooks, DVDs, online videos, podcasts, CDs, or MP3 files, computer software programs, suggestions for places we can visit, art and craft and handicraft materials, cameras, food, maps, science kits, pictures and paintings, games, online classes such as art classes. Strewing resources don't have to be big or expensive. I could strew a simple shell or a leaflet about solar heating or some used stamps or a magnet or a set of sharpies or a new notebook or a photo. I am always on the lookout for things to strew. Some I buy, others I bookmark, some I gather. A number of them even appear from my mind. And then when I see my children are at a loose end looking for something to get involved with, I start strewing. Like most people, we have lots of resources scattered about our house that no one seems to take much notice of. There are games stacked on top of our bookshelves that we don't often use. We have dozens of DVDs we've never watched. There are books and more books and drawers full of CDs and bags of fabric. Now and then I walk around the house, pulling out a few things from here and there that look interesting. I scatter them on the coffee table. I don't worry about making a mess. Everything needs to be under our noses where we can see it, where it can wait to be discovered. Sometimes, instead of placing things in a visible spot and then waiting for someone to take an interest in them, I might strew in a more direct manner. I issue invitations to share particular resources. I read this book. Would you like to read it too? Does anyone want to watch this DVD with me? I found a version of Swan Lake on YouTube. Shall we watch it? Would you like to go to the lake for a picnic? We could take our pencils, scooters, running shoes and cameras. How about we visit the garden centre? I often strew electronically. I've bought some new books. Take a look at your Kindles, girls. 
I found some good websites. I'll send you an email with the links. And then there's my Evernote unplanning notebook. I'm constantly adding strewing resources to this digital folder. Can thoughts and ideas be strewed? Can they be dropped into a conversation? I was thinking about, what do you think of this idea? I was reading about, did you hear about? If I watch and listen carefully, I get lots of possible strewing ideas. If you enjoyed that book, you might like this one. I bookmarked a podcast on that topic. Shall I send you the link? After we were talking about that painting the other day, I found a YouTube video about it. Do you want to have a look? Of course, I haven't got time to get involved with every resource I strew, so the girls would try out things for themselves, or I could get them going and then leave them to it. This is what happened when I strewed a coding website. Hey, look what I found, girls. We could make our own animations using code. Shall we give it a go? Gemma Rose and Sophie were interested. Charlotte wasn't. Soon the younger girls and I were coding. Since then, they have returned to their projects many times, even though I have moved on to other things. Sometimes I strew my own interests and passions. I set myself up where the girls can see me and start work. What are you making, Mum? Can I try that? You're drawing. What book are you using? I could do that. What are you watching, Mum? Can I join you? Occasionally, I deliberately stew something I'd like my children to know about. I might offer them my favourite poems, a DVD of a Shakespeare play, or a novel I enjoyed. But what if my children aren't interested in what I have strewed? What if they reject my strewing? Then that's quite okay. The world is full of interesting things to learn about. If my children don't pick up on some of the resources and experiences I put before them, then I go looking for other things to capture their attention. I think I might go and do a bit of strewing right now. Earlier today, I noticed a science board game a friend gave us several months ago. We've never played it. Do you think if I stand on a chair and reach for it, the girls will say, What are you doing, Mum? When I wipe the dust off the box, will they say, What's that game about, Mum? And when I start to pull everything out and set up the board, will they say, Can we play too? I hope so. And if not, I just put the game on the coffee table. It might capture someone's attention another day. Strewing can be a very enjoyable thing to do, as long as we are detached about it. Yeah, sometimes we really want our kids to like something that we have found, something that we enjoy, and they're just not interested. So it does take a bit of work to distance ourselves from that. As I said in that story, there are lots of interesting things in this world. Our kids don't have to be interested in the things that we discover. 
Another point that I didn't make in that story, but which I have come across many times, is that we can think our children have found their passion. They seem to be very interested in something in particular. We get very, very excited. We go away and we find all these associated resources that we can't wait to strew in front of our child. That's what we do. We tell them about the things. We send them links. We put things in our unplanning notebook. We put things on the coffee table and then we stand back. And our children, they're just not interested. And that's because they've moved on to something else. Their passion, their interest didn't last very long. And that can be very disappointing. The times when our kids are very, very interested in something in particular are wonderful times. We don't have to worry that they're not learning. Learning is very, very obvious. And we start to think maybe this interest will go somewhere. Maybe they'll make a career out of it one day. Maybe they have found their one thing. But rarely do kids have one thing. And they go from one interest to another and sometimes return to the first. And sometimes kids seem to lose interest in everything. Whatever we strew in front of them, they're just not interested. But again, all we have to do is step back. Keep offering things without pressuring our kids. We definitely don't want to say, you have to learn something or you must be interested in something. No, we just step back, give our kids space. Maybe they're in one of those times when they just need some rest. Before long, they'll be moving again. We can start strewing again. We can all be excited again about learning. So there is an art to strewing, I think. Doing it in a way that's not full of pressure, a way that is helpful for our kids. And if the West comes to the West and we end up with a table full of things that we're interested in but nobody else is, we can always use the things ourselves. So many times I have picked up a movie that I thought would interest my girls, and it didn't, but I've picked it up and put it on and thought, well, I will watch it. I am interested in it. And yes, my girls have come along and said, what are you watching, Mum? Oh, it's that movie. I think I'll watch as well. So that's all I really want to say about that story. You can find time for some strewing in my book, Curious Unschoolers. I made a few references to other stories in my book in that story, I talked about washing machine repairs and solar panels. Yes, you will find those stories in my book as well. My second story about strewing is a more recent one. I wrote it in August 2019. Yes, just under a year ago. And it is called Unschooling When Charlotte Mason Also Appeals to Our Hearts. I think I'll dive straight into the story and then talk about the Charlotte Mason aspect afterwards. Do some aspects of the various methods of homeschooling appeal to you? How about living books and art and nature study? What about the classics, journaling and drawing? 
Years ago, I was drawn to Charlotte Mason's ideas. There is something very attractive about her way of doing things, isn't there? Short lessons make sense for kids who can't sit still. And shouldn't children be spending lots of time outside playing and exploring nature? And I understand why narration is required. It gives kids the opportunity to make any knowledge their own. It's good to appreciate art that tells a story or engages our emotions and our senses. Then there's music that sings to our souls and living books that capture our imaginations. And shouldn't we be filling our heads with noble ideas? Our hearts might be captivated by Charlotte Mason. Is that because this method of homeschooling is based on all that's beautiful, good and true? Despite many attempts, we never managed to successfully do Charlotte Mason. Although all would go well for a time, eventually my kids protested. Why do we have to do this? And I replied, because it's in my lesson plan, because I said so. What I really meant was, because Charlotte Mason says so. My kids and I would start to battle. Unfortunately, this wasn't beautiful, good and true. As you might know, one day I abandoned my search for the perfect method of homeschooling. I stopped trying to force other people's ideas onto my children and began listening to them instead. I trusted that they could learn without an external method being imposed on them. I realised that such things as narration aren't needed if we give our attention to our kids when they want to share their discoveries with us. So I said goodbye to Charlotte Mason forever. However, I didn't turn my back on all that's beautiful, good and true. Living books, beautiful paintings, nature, poetry, Shakespeare and noble ideas aren't the exclusive property of a particular homeschooling method such as Charlotte Mason. They are part of our fascinating world. Our kids can come into contact with them just by living life. And if there's anything in particular we'd like our kids to be aware of, we can always strew it. We could hang a painting on the wall, invite our kids to explore nature with us, offer to read some living books to them, invite them to watch a Shakespeare play with us, strew a poem, say, I've been thinking about, and share some thoughts and ideas. Of course, we can't force our strewing on our kids. So yes, they may reject our invitations. But I've discovered that my kids, being curious people, often get caught up in my enthusiasm and so are very open to my strewing suggestions. It might seem better to surround our kids with beauty, truth and goodness the Charlotte Mason way because kids can't reject what we'd like them to learn about. Of course, they might like what's in the plan. Then again, they might not. But it seems to me that it's better if kids have a choice than when they do choose to read a poem, listen to a book, or look at a painting. They'll be fully engaged. Their hearts will be wide open, ready to absorb all that truth, beauty, and goodness.
Beauty, goodness and truth can be found in unexpected places. We don't have to stick only to the classical. Good isn't always old. And old isn't always good. It took me a while to realise this. Years ago, when I was in one of my Charlotte Mason phases, I searched high and low for copies of all the old books that Charlotte Mason used. I remember how excited I got whenever I did manage to track one down. Old books were harder to find in those pre-internet days. But those books weren't necessary. Goodness, truth and beauty can be found in today's world as well as in times gone by. Someone once said to me, the classical period of music was the greatest. No composer or musician will ever be as good as those of that era. If that were true, wouldn't it be sad? I added something extra to the end of that blog post. I said, you might like this conversation that I had with my daughter Imogen. It was one of our earlier podcasts. So when I listened to it a short time ago, I expected to cringe. However, it's okay. That's definitely because of Imogen's input. She had a lot of good things to say. And then I embedded episode 30 of this podcast. Why classical music isn't enough. Yes, I was thinking about how a lot of parents won't let their kids be exposed to anything except the classics. Classical music, classical books, they say that anything contemporary is bad. And Imogen and I had this wonderful conversation about how we believe that that attitude is wrong. We can't stay stuck in a particular period. Creativity and knowledge has to keep evolving. We get new ideas, we combine old ideas with new ones, we move forward. So if you would like to listen to that conversation, I will put a link in the show notes. Episode 30, Why Classical Music Isn't Enough. I said that I thought I was going to cringe when I was listening to that episode, when I was re-listening to it. Yes, because it had been a long time since I had visited that episode, episode 30, in the early days of podcasting. Hopefully, I've got better at podcasting. Not so many ums and ahs, maybe. Maybe my sound quality is a bit better, too. But the episode was okay. Not perfect, but okay. And I guess that's a bit of a theme for this episode, that we don't have to be perfect. We can still share valuable things without being perfect. Also, we don't have to one school perfectly. We don't have to be perfect parents. So was there anything in that story that I wanted to comment on? I think many of us are attracted to Charlotte Mason because she does present materials that are beautiful, good and true. It did take me a while to realise that these things aren't the exclusive property of Charlotte Mason. We can strew all those things. We can live our lives on those principles. Even in today's world, even in this particular time, when the world isn't very beautiful, 
we can still find truth, beauty, and goodness. We might have to search a little bit harder for it than normal. And that's what I've been trying to do because we are responsible for what comes into our minds, aren't we? We don't have to get sucked up into all the bad news every day. Yes, maybe we should be informed, but we don't have to keep reading the bad news over and over again and sharing it with our families. When I was having a really difficult time the other week, I was thinking about that and how I have got into the habit of dwelling on the news and not only doing that, but bringing all that bad news into our family, talking about it, talking about my worries, spreading it to my children. And I forgot to look for the good news, for all the things that I'm grateful for, for all the beautiful things around us, the little delights that we have to go looking for that I have stopped noticing. So I am trying to change my attitude about things because I was losing my hope and there is hope. COVID-19 won't be with us forever. The world will recover. We will learn a lot along the way. These are extraordinary times. What are we going to do with them? Get depressed, despair, or trust that we're going to be okay, and use the time for good. Yes, we can deepen our prayer life, for example. We can deepen our trust. We can become more grateful. This reminds me of something that I was reading on the internet. Oh, it was quite a few weeks ago now. There's a poet, and I have forgotten his name, and I haven't got his name in my show notes because it's only just come into my head. I didn't intend to talk about this. But this person, he's a poet. I think he's American. He decided that every day he would search for one delight, and then he would write about it. And at the end of the year, he had 365 delightful moments. And he put them all together into a book. And the book might be called The Book of Delights. It's probably something very simple like that. But again, I will search out the title and the link in case you're interested. And the book will be published, I think, next month. I told a friend about this book and what this author was doing. And we decided together to look for delights in each of our days. And we've been sharing those delights. Some days they are difficult to find, but I can always find one. But the last couple of weeks have been difficult, even though I have been looking for the delights. I've been letting other things overwhelm me. I've been focusing on the wrong things. I think that I have strayed from Charlotte Mason and strewing. But maybe that's helpful for anybody who does feel overwhelmed at the moment by the COVID-19 situation or anything, because sometimes we can get overwhelmed when we have lots of children or a baby and a toddler in the family or a husband that is working away from home, whatever our situation. Some days are more difficult than others. But with the help of our friends and keeping a positive attitude and limiting what comes into our heads, yes, things might turn around. So I'm very grateful for my community at the moment. 
I set it up to encourage other people, but all of those people have been encouraging me. So thank you to all the people who belong to my community and who have stopped by numerous times to uplift me, to pray for me, and to give me some encouragement. So I think that's all I want to talk about today. I'm coming to the end of episode 178. You probably know all the end things where you can find my books, Curious Unschoolers and Radical Unschool Love. Of course, you can find my books on Amazon. I've mentioned my community. I will put a link in the show notes. Anybody is welcome to join me there. And then there's my blog, Stories of an Unschooling Family. Please stop by and leave a comment if you would like to say anything about today's episode or just stop by and say hello. Thank you for listening to this episode. I hope to be back soon with episode 179 and I have already made a note about it. It is going to be about passions and interests. So until then live a radical life of unconditional love.